This is the Emmanuel Pastors Podcast. I'm Nathan, and this is a chance for you to listen in on a conversation with myself. So just going to be me today, uh, talking a little bit. I hope everybody had a great uh, holiday season. Andre and I and the family had a really, really, really good time, actually. One of the, one of the better ones. We were healthy physically. We were uh, able to see my family and spend time with Andrea's, part of Andrea's family, her parents. And then Andrea and I had a really, really great getaway to California for the, uh, John and Ada's wedding. It was just nice. And I'm excited about uh, 2021. I feel a, a lot of hope and anticipation. I feel refreshed, rejuvenated, and ready to tackle it. And and actually, one of the things I want to talk about today is just kind of um, going through one of the things that's ahead for me personally, but it's not just me personally, it's for our whole church uh, in this coming year. So as many of you know, I've been taking one class a semester for the last five or so years uh, at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School for a master's in urban ministry. Um, the goal is just to get enrichment on the side that would help um, help our church, help our our mission here in the city help me understand the city better, help me be a better pastor and leader for this context. And so I'm coming up to the very end. So last semester, my class was a uh, designing a project. Uh, I had to write a 40-page paper, researching, exploring some aspect of urban ministry, and then uh, designing a, a practical, hands-on project that would address that issue in our in my local ministry context and then my next semester this current semester the spring of 2021 is executing that project is implementing what i designed and researched so uh, this is kind of the first part of implementing that project is telling uh, kind of explaining to you guys what um what it's all about and it's gonna theo and i have discussed this together and he's on board with implementing this uh in in this spring semester um to uh hopefully it'd be uh, helpful for our church so the topic is on uh let's see the official title of my paper was developing strategies to address attrition in pursuit of growing a church in an urban ministry setting that's uh, kind of dry and boring but basically it's it's dealing with what we all know um is one of the biggest challenges in our our context uh, of a city center church is is what is variously referred to as uh, transients or rootlessness. Some people call it the churn, uh, and I've got some pastor friends that, in similar contexts, they talk about ministry there as hugging the parade. Uh, it's just turnover, a revolving door. People are here and they're gone. And I wanted to, I mean, I've been feeling this and thinking about this for the last 16 years, right? This was a chance to try to uh, really devote energy to, to researching this, praying through it, try to understand it better, and then evaluate, like, is that just the way it is? Uh, and I think my conclusion is, at a certain level, yes. Um, but are there also things that is... Is it uh, is there aspects of it that aren't right that need to be addressed, uh, and are there things that a church can try to do to 
um, adapt and maybe even um, be countercultural in uh, ways that Emmanuel, particularly, could be a church that's not just a, a total revolving door, right? So I've been reading over the break. I've actually been working on this book for over a year, I think. Um, this big biography of John Adams, and sometimes I pick it up and read it, and sometimes it sits for a while. But I'm getting close to the end, and it's really been helpful. I've talked. I think we talked about this in one of the podcasts on what are you reading, right? Reading biography, reading history is so grounding because everything we're seeing now, the political turmoil, the, I mean, the misinformation. I mean, this is nothing new in history, right? And also, there's several epidemics that happened in John Adams' life and times when people were in quarantine and walking down the middle of the street to provide social distance from other people. And it's really interesting to get that historical perspective. Anyway, what I think was um, a little bit different about his time is that that uh, there, there were... Um, America was not a mostly urban nation. It was it was a, a nation of uh, a, a lot of people who had um, sailed from Europe um, and uh, come to come here. So there is a the gene pool of Americans are people who are movers, right? And and uh, uh, pioneers and and don't stay. They're the people who didn't stay. Um, as far as white Americans and the, you know, um, but uh, and you see that reflected in some of the early American literature. We were reading as a family, reading the Little House on the Prairie series again for the second or third time, and just the itch to move and the inability to stay in one place is there. But yet there was all that being said, it, it is at, in the American psyche. But there is a um, John Adams, for example. He, even though he was um, a world traveler himself, he was born and, and he died and was buried in, in the same small town in Massachusetts where uh, his grandfather was, right? Um, here's a little snippet, right? He'd been, uh, he grew up in the church where his father was a deacon. Um, his, uh, had every reason to believe that he would go to his final rest in the same ground where his father and mother lay, indeed where leaning headstones marked the graves of the Adams line going back four generations. <laughs> so uh, there was a rootedness. And, and, and even in America, a lot of people have, and still there are a lot of people that do in different parts of America, have that sense of rootedness, although it's not what most people in our church, most people in our city maybe feel. Maybe this is another podcast in the future, but I was thinking about that idea of even having a final resting place where you are buried next to your ancestors. Where are you going to be buried? Are you even going to be buried? I haven't looked up the data on this, but cremation, I, I, I know, is just on the rise of uh, people who don't even have a you know, post-mortem, they're not even rooted in one place. Their ashes may be scattered to the four winds, or they're in a, uh, a urn that can be, you know, put on the mantle and carried all over wherever 
somebody lives and I don't know what's going to happen eventually with all those things. We're so um, displaced, <laughs> disembodied even. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's something that we need to wrap our, our minds around and think about biblically. Think about theologically. And uh, I'd be glad to share this paper with you. There's a section in there where I, I try to tease out some of these things. Uh, it, it goes along with stuff we've been talking about uh, a lot as a church this year with embodiedness and being in placed. Uh, I had a lot of fun working on that, uh, that little talk in the summer retreat on our neighborhood. And, uh, and I, am a, I come from that kind of setting where uh, there is a family burial plot. There, the Carters have been there for, you know, generations, and um, and there's something about that that is deep in my, it's in my soul. I think it's good, it's right, and yet it's not um, absolute. God called me to move, right? He brought me to Chicago and made a very clear call that there's. There's a mission field here. There's a huge need here. So I've moved, but I've taken with me some of that um, uh, appreciation of rootedness and longevity, faithfulness, steadfastness. These are all biblical virtues um, to try to, to love over a long term a people in a place and patiently plod and wait and pray for God to to advance his kingdom, to build his church in Chicago. That's what calling that God's put on my life. And um, where I come from, the, uh, the, uh, the kind of the story in this church that I grew up in is that there are people that were, were born and died in that church and their parents were born and died in that church. The average stay of a pastor in that church was about three years. Um, that's anecdotally, anecdotally, that's my impression. I never did the, the full research on that. But I did do some research on our church. Um, it kind of flips the script, right? Um, we, I've been here for 16 years now as a pastor. Um, let me find all these numbers. I actually analyzed some things. And uh, since I've been at this church, we have brought in 200 new members. And you know what a member is, right? This isn't just, we're not talking about people that visit for one or two Sundays. We've even had lots of people that have maybe, even maybe thought this was their church, never became members, but they were here for a while and somewhat involved. We're not talking about all those people. We've had 200 people that have gone through joining the mission, signed on to the covenant, uh, been a part of the church since, uh, since I've come. And, uh, but we've also... Um, lost a lot of people. Uh, when I came to the church, there were 36 members. We've added 200 new members, and uh, that's that's pretty cool. But uh, we've also lost a total of 148 members since the start of 2005. Um, and 82% of the members who left moved away from the city. So 121 people left Chicago, moved away. Now, that's a, that's a vague number. There's no interpretation to that right now. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. That's just the facts. Uh, but but kind of 
that kind of sets the stage for the, the reality of, of our church, um, that it's a transient church. Lifeway research um, data I looked at um, said that in America, of regular churchgoers, 27% had been at their church for over 25 years. At Emmanuel, there's only 1% of our current members that have been here 25 years, and that's one member, and that's Hoban, and he's not actually lived in Chicago for a few years now, and we're you know working on, on that. He was one of the founding members of the church. So really, for all intents and purposes, nobody's been here over 25 years, whereas in America, generally 27% of Christians are at their church for over 25 years. Uh, in, a, in America, um, on average, 35% of regular churchgoers have been at their church between 10 and 24 years. Uh, at Emmanuel, it's 14% have been here between 10 and 24 years, but that's even misleading uh, because um, m- most of those people are actually missionaries <laughs> that are living overseas that are still members of the church, right? Uh, 17% of Emmanuel members have been here between 5 and 9 years which actually matches exactly that national average. But here's where it's all kind of inverted, right? Whereas nationally, 21% of regular churchgoers have been at their church less than five years. At Emmanuel, 68% of our current members have been here less than five years. So um, if you average out the average stay at Emmanuel of members, and some some ways this is a little... I think it's a helpful metric because... Um, Sometimes people are here for a while before they become a member. Sometimes people have moved away, but they're still members. So I think it, it kind of averages out. But the average stay of a member at the church is 3.295 years. So roughly every three years, um, people move away, right? So which makes it just a, a very... Uh, statistically, I was able to put numbers on my intuitions and my uh, own stories and feelings that the church turns over about every three years, which means I've pastored one church for 16 years, but it's not really one church. It's really about five different churches. And that, uh, that, that rings true to my experience. So that's, that's the reality. And I got more research here to kind of unpack that a little bit. Uh, I sent out a survey to all the people that had moved out of Chicago that were former members of the church and just asked them to help me um, kind of give me the perspective, help me get my head around things. What are the, uh, some of the questions I asked is, you know, were you from Chicago originally uh, or did you move here from somewhere else? Uh, what brought you away from Chicago? What were the best things about living in Chicago? I got a lot of great feedback there. People like the city. Uh, but what were the challenges? And um, that kind of helped me think through, you know, what uh, people find to be the most, uh, the hardest for keeping them staying here long term. Um, Let's see here. Uh, 75% of respondents said that they had no family nearby when they lived in Chicago. That's a big factor. Um... And one out of every four respondents listed family as the greatest factor in their decision to move away from Chicago. Um, let's see, what else did that unveil? Uh, 
a lot of people came here for school and left for school or a job. We've got some numbers on that. Some of the big uh, issues that people listed was cost of living, um, crime, nature or the weather, uh, transportation, public education. Those were some of the big factors in people moving away. And I realized that there's um, a lot of those things are outside of my control. There was a, a paper given by uh, Stephen Um. He's a pastor of a church in Center City, uh, Boston. Uh, done some good thinking on mobility in the urban church. And uh, I learned a lot from him. One of the things that he talked about that was really helpful is that, you know, in, in ministry anywhere you have um, kind of uh, weather conditions. Okay, he uses kind of an agricultural metaphor or um, gardening sort of metaphor. There's, there's these weather conditions that are outside of your control. And those would be the sovereign moving of God's spirit, right? Um, God chooses when to bring revival. It's all kind of like ultimately any, any salvation or any work in ministry is all dependent on God's sovereign plan and pleasure. And you can't force it. You can't, there's no formula for making more converts, making people grow, really. Uh, it's you can do just the what you're supposed to do preach the word pray love people you can have all the structures in place and God might bless it in one place and at one time and he might not at another time and one thing may just content, just blow up and become this huge thing where there's um, lots of people being saved and lots of stuff happening and another faithful church faithful pastor without the same thing so that's out of your control that's the weather kind of thing he talks about. Underneath, at the bottom, there's the soil conditions, right? Um, and the, Chicago has unique soil. It's it's a it's a hard place in many ways. It has it has its own issues, um, and some of that might be the economy, right? The uh, those things I, we're not going to change. I can't I can't make sure that there's you know affordable housing. Um, and some of those things are just too, they're, they're too massive. They're, they're massive uh, market forces that are at play that realistically I or a small church like us, probably any church can't really affect, right? So you get to know them. You got to know your soil type, be aware of that, adapt a little bit, but the stuff in the middle, you know, above the soil, below the, the weather patterns is what is called gardening or cultivating the things that you can do, what you are responsible for. And, uh, and so we're, we're in a church, we're in a setting, we're in a city that's transient, we're in a culture that's transient. Many of those things are beyond our control, but there are, uh, there are some things, I think, that we need to talk about, think about, and can maybe try to disciple people into um, a countercultural um, mindset. So, um, let's see. Yeah, this is, I've given the first half of my adult life to this church. I want to give the rest of my life to it. And this, this, uh, project was kind of a chance to pause and, and think about this stuff. Um, you've heard me talk about cities, God's concern for the city, Jeremiah 29. Um, I talk about that a lot in here. Maybe it's been a while since you've heard me talk about the uh, 
we talk about membership a lot at the church. Membership means commitment, right? It means like like saying this is my family, right? Even if my blood family may not be nearby, this is actually a family and can in some ways uh, meet that need. And we have to stick with each other. Um, I wrote an article for the ERLC a few years ago about staying in your church long term and how oftentimes I've seen right around, like you meet somebody, they come to Emmanuel, they're like, this is awesome, I love this church, I love this city, and it's fun, we get to know each other, we, um, we think that we're close, but around that year three, year four mark, very often, that's when we actually start to get to know each other. That's when we realize like the real baggage that's there, the hurts, the trauma. Um, you know, you usually don't lead with that stuff, and uh, it takes time. Um, and that's right when people are leaving. You know, so it's hard to really do some of the the real uh, the real one anothering that the New Testament seems to talk about about bearing with one another in love and uh, forgiving and all that stuff like if if we if we about the time that we're getting to the place where the the stuff hits the fan uh they're moving away (laughs) so that's one thing i talk about a little bit in here and think through uh what else uh and just the there's a book i read several years ago called the wisdom of stability the wisdom of stability let me find a good quote from that book um Uh, yeah he starts off the book saying this is a book about staying put and paying attention in a culture that's characterized by unprecedented mobility and speed I'm convinced that the most important thing most of us can do to grow spiritually is to stay in the place where we are I hope he says to reprogram your default setting As participants in a mobile culture, our default is to move. God embraces our broken world. I have no doubt that God can use our movement for good, but I'm convinced that we lose something essential to our existence as creatures if we do not recognize our fundamental need for stability. And this is a great quote. Just a little pithy line. Trees can be transplanted, often with magnificent results, but their default is to stay. And that kind of ties into the sort of agricultural, horticultural metaphors that are all over the Bible about growth, about bearing fruit, you know, about, that's where the idea of rootedness comes. Um, I, I think that God's desire for most people is to learn patience, steadfastness, um, close your other options and marry one woman and and love her for the rest of your life and be in one place and and cultivate it the wanderlust wanderlust is um i don't think it's wisdom i don't think it's wisdom now god does call people like abraham young's going to preach on this call which is actually going to dovetail very nicely this coming sunday with um a lot of the stuff that I've been working on in this paper, and I did not set this up at all. This was just the way that uh, what God was doing in Young's heart. But he's going to talk about the call of Abraham. 
and Abraham moved and went to a new place. And that's that that kind of we like that sort of adventure story that you know move go off and and start something new. But he's one in a million kind of person, Abraham. And the goal of what God's call was for Abraham was to get him uh, into a place where a multi-generational place with a people that lived there, each one, I mean, the idea of of flourishing is, you know, each person in their tribal allotment, you know, sitting under their their own fig tree, you know, with their kids playing in the streets. Like this is is the the picture of, of Shalom in the Old Testament even. So in the New Testament, yeah, you have people like Paul, right? That we often latch onto. These are the people that wrote the New Testament. And they were, they were rolling stones to a certain extent. Um, they uh, traveled, they went on missionary journeys. And sometimes we can equate that with the epitome of piety is someone who's just always on this adventure and going. But if you, if you remember, Paul was sent by a church, right? Like a, a stable church in Antioch that sent him and Barnabas off. And when Paul would come back, you know, to report, there was a, an assumption that that church was still there. Um, and that was, you know, that church had to be a stable kind of presence to send Paul. Um, and then what Paul does is he, es- he establishes other local churches and he writes these letters to them with all the one another's and the be devoted to one another and all that stuff. And, and then my, one of my favorite verses is in, you know, First Corinthians where, Paul tells them to make it their ambition to live a quiet life. Like that, that was the Apostle Paul's um, advice to ordinary Christians. Ordinary Christians aren't supposed to be, you know, the pioneer missions. Now, we need those people, but those people come out of a, a, a local church. Hopefully, they come out of a place of stability and health that's able to then send them out with intentionality. And that's not often what corresponds to American mobility. It's often not driven by kingdom of God values. It's driven by American dream. It's driven by an itch for something new. It's driven by the illusion of greener, you know, greener pastures. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. It's driven by uh, a lot of things, right? So, uh, so just thinking. We want. We need to think about everything biblically. Um, we at our church, we, we, we've often framed this and I, I don't, sometimes I'm, I'm not good in this aspect of leadership. I, I don't say things enough. I get tired of hearing myself talk. I even don't, I don't like what I'm doing right now. It's like, I've said this once. I don't want to keep saying it again. I want to do other things, but you know, vision leaks, but we talk about our vision from Jeremiah 29. We talk about it from Acts 11 and 13 with Antioch. And, uh, and then we use the metaphor of sailors and longshoremen, right? That we're a port city. We realize that there's just going to be a steady stream of people coming and going all the time. And we love that. We want to, that's exciting, right? My church in, that I grew up in did not really, did not, did not see 200 new people come in in 15 years. Um, that's part of the benefit of the city. There's just fresh, you know, fresh loads of, of new people it's exciting, it's moving, it's, that's, that's cool, that's good, and, and God wants to use that for the kingdom. And so we're going to have sailors that sail in, and then we're going to have bon voyage parties and send them out, and that's going to be happening all the time. But we also need to have longshoremen, and those are the people that, would, that lived in those port cities and did the work of loading and unloading cargo and 
and made that whole enterprise possible. And, uh, and, and that needs to happen at Emmanuel. So we need to have embrace the sailors, uh, celebrate sailors, expect sailors, want there to be sailors because of those, you know, people in the, this vast growing Emmanuel Alumni Association. We've sent people all over the world with the gospel, and that is cool. That's the, the, one of the great things in God's plan for the cities. But we, it's not healthy if a church just has two or four, six longshoremen that are kind of there. If you, uh, you stay here for a few years, you, you leave, you come back, and you don't recognize any face except one or two. I don't think that that's healthy. And I also uh, don't think that people think through their, um, their decisions necessarily in the right way. So I'm rambling. I'm kind of trying to summarize a 40-page paper for you. But here's where it all comes down to. I, th- I tried to analyze this stuff, think about it biblically, theologically, do some research. And, and then I had to design a, a hands-on, a tangible project that I could do based on what I've thought and written about, and uh, and here's 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 where it comes down to. Um, based on some of the survey results of um, pluses and minuses of city living, um, and one person in their survey, you know, even recommended like it'd be helpful if there was more. Um, kind of education about the neighborhood and the history and the, the, the people and the opportunities and all that stuff. And so I want to, so my project is twofold, okay? One of them is um, going to be trying to just create space for people to hang out in community with an intentionality of learning about and showcasing the beauty of, of our neighborhood, the opportunity and the challenges and, and just kind of education about um, Chicago that might help people kind of catch the vision a little bit more um, and realize, yeah, like there are um, a lot of a lot of great aspects here, and um, and some of the challenges can be navigated. And so, what we're going to do, you know, we started that sports night last uh, summer, which was awesome, and hopefully we can do that again this summer, maybe. That was uh, Nate and Young's idea, and the house has helped run that, and others. But uh, that kind of turned into game night this fall, and then mo- we tried movie night. And so that Friday night spot we're going to use um, this spring. Keep doing that. Hopefully the 10-person limit can start to ease up over time, but we'll, we'll have to operate within those boundaries. But hopefully we can have at least 10 people every, every Friday get together. If the weather isn't... Um, cooperating we can meet inside and i have several different movies that i've picked out that will kind of uh, start to orient you to chicago and to city life and to stability some artsy movies some biographies um and uh, things like that so this starting this friday we're going to go through the this documentary on the history of chicago which is fascinating so just to really know to know your history to know where chicago came from what were some of its um, that helps us understand the soil conditions right and so that, that that's actually four parts and we can have time for discussion and then whenever um, time allows we want to do some urban hikes 
uh, where we'll just actually get out and uh, and show show people that actually the weather doesn't have to be this inhibitor that keeps us totally in our cocoons over the winter. Uh, I was lamenting, I you know, complaining, grumbling. I think is the sin that the Bible calls it about winter and darkness and cold and. Um, Jeremiah said that uh, Katie had recently, God had used a certain article in her life, and uh, she sent it to me, and it's kind of, it's just basic common sense, general revelation wisdom, but it's studying why people in Norway are are still happy, <laughs> even though it in the winter they get like sometimes no daylight, and it's cold, but they see it as an opportunity, and they say there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing, right? And they still get outdoors and exercise and move around and do things outside and try to enjoy the unique aspects of the winter. Chicago has four seasons, and let's not just complain about it. Let's enjoy it. We can still be outside together, even in the winter. So over these next couple weeks, if it's you know over, I think I said like 35 degrees and it's not raining, uh, we can go on a walk. And so we'll meet at the meeting place and we'll go do some different tours nearby. Um, here are some of the uh, some of the possible things that I've thought about doing. Like go through the medical district, and uh, and and then do like a some stop at where the Cubs won the World Series in 1908, and read the plaque, and then maybe share some snippets from a, a book about Cook County Hospital that kind of goes through the history of this Chicago's public hospital and think about that. Uh, do a do a walk to Maxwell Street, maybe get some Polish sausage and talk about the this immigrant port of entry and the history of Maxwell Street. Um, maybe James can take us around UIC and just kind of talk about that largest university in the city. Uh, we can do a walk around ABLA and talk about um, public housing and end at the, the future site of the National Public Housing Museum. We can talk about Jane Adams and that whole thing. Uh, we can talk about libraries, and then I have some snippets of some fun things from a, a book about libraries as this great you know, third place for community. Um, uh, Eric Kleinenberg, Palaces for the People, comes from Andrew Carnegie's vision for public libraries. We'll do an art walk through Pilsen, look at the murals, and talk about public art and uh, critique it or whatever. We can... Um, go through Little Italy and, and just kind of highlight the Italian um, experience and get some gelato together, maybe do some gangster um, history, <laughs> uh, other things. And then capped off on a really nice uh, May day, do like a bike trip to Northerly Island and say, look, right here, we have all this natural wonder with this amazing skyline in the backdrop. So let's not complain about Chicago. And then that's just a little taste and just kind of help people see our neighborhood is rich with history, opportunity. Our city is filled with with um, natural wonder, one of the great lakes and, and all kinds of beautiful parks and also people wonder. We'll, we'll do a time where we uh, just kind of on a nicer warm spring day when people are hopefully out and daylight saving time has already begun. Just um, go, we'll read a section from Jane Jacobs um, book on American, the death and life of great American cities on the ballet of street life and then have you just go and watch people. Just do some people watching for like a half an hour and then we come back and we share observations with each other. That's all kind of one prong of this 
this project every Friday night. We're going to be doing something together that gets us together, that gets us in our neighborhood, that gets us outside, that gets us active. We can build relationships with each other and, and, and start to see um, some of the, the beauty and possibility of our city instead of maybe just kind of sit inside and watch Netflix and be isolated and disembodied and complain about the winter and prepare to go vacation someplace else or whatever. Uh, so that's, that's one prong. Okay, part two, the other side of this project is, uh, is going to be just a personal talk with me. <laughs> I have a schedule. It's going it's to it's have a pretty fast pace to get through everybody, to get through all of our current um, resident members. Uh, I want to sit down and just, just meet, and with no, um, no pressure, there's no, like, I fully realize and I fully celebrate that majority of our people are going to be sailors at Emmanuel. But I want you to sail with purpose, uh, to, to chart a course, to not just sort of, you know, just be on a raft, right, and just go wherever a current is taking you, but to actually um, put your sail out and, and, and pray for the wind of the Spirit to go with a purpose so that you're, you have a calling in your life. This is, this is basically what this is. This is going to be discerning your calling consultations. Um, helping you kind of think through your life goals, your values, your purpose, so that you're not just drifting along with cultural trends and currents. You're not just motivated by money uh, or parental pressures or um, anything else besides the kingdom of God. I want you to think about your life as seeking first the kingdom of God and however I can do that, whatever that calling is that God has on my life, I don't want to just be an aimless wanderer around kind of going with whims. I want to be laser focused on magnifying Jesus Christ, building up his church, reaching the lost, showcasing the glories of the gospel. And how can my life be leveraged to do that? Not just what's easiest for me, where's the best place for getting more space or uh, more personal comfort or pleasure or ease, but um, how can I live for the kingdom of God? And that will, I, I fully expect and desire that that will be mostly, you'll realize I'm a sailor, but you'll have a specific calling of where you're supposed to sail to and why and what for and all that. But then I think there's probably some of you that maybe haven't seriously considered or thought about that God could call you to be a longshoreman that that is a noble calling, that this is your destination, uh, or at least for a, a longer time than maybe you thought before, and to put down roots here and to see this as a mission field. Like, you don't have to go overseas to reach unreached people groups, to reach lost people. There's 9 million people here in Chicago and all kinds of opportunities and need for the gospel. And there is um, a, a great joys in Chicago and great costs just like everywhere there is no place on earth that is really perfect or home or everything um, wherever you go there's going to be challenges here are the challenges of Chicago here are the opportunities and there's a great need and have you considered whether God might be calling you to be a longshoreman so out of that we'd have a, a, a honest open conversation no guilt no manipulation no pressure besides Think about this. Think about 
where you're going in life and do it with an intentional uh, kingdom focused goal um, don't just kind of uh, be floundering through this life so 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 two prongs every friday night we're going to be doing something together talking about thinking about discussing and, and showcasing the uh, the city with all of its um, underside, ugly underside, but beautiful also possibilities. That's every Friday. And then also you're going to be getting an email from me or a text or something to set up a time to, to talk and just kind of help. I'll ask a lot of probing questions like what, where do you think you're going? Where's God called you? What's the call on your life? How does that fit in with, with our, with your local church? And, uh, so how can we send you with uh, more specificity and excitement if you're a sailor? Or how can we resource you and help you if you're a longshoreman? What do you, what do you need? Do you need help with navigating the public school system? Do you need help with a down payment on a house? Do you need help finding a job? Uh, how can we really be a support network that can help there be uh, more sustainable longshoremen? So I think that's what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to lay that out. If you want to read more, um, I'd be glad to share the paper with you. It's it's not a great paper in some ways, but I'd be glad to share that with you. I look forward to talking with you uh, one-on-one and just hopefully give you a, I've given you a little bit of a, a teaser and uh, kind of put this, you know, pricked your conscience a little bit to start thinking about, yeah, what is my calling in life? I don't want anybody in our church to just be fumbling through life and following the world. I want you to be living intentionally with, uh, with godly ambition. And, uh, and I think for most people, as the Apostle Paul says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. I think for most people it involves working and, and being in a place and being committed to a, that place. And uh, I think that can be Chicago. And it needs to be Chicago for a lot more people. And uh, if it's not Chicago, it, you probably need to land somewhere else and, and, and put down roots there um, for the sake of, of uh, the kingdom. And I want to help you think through that. So hopefully after this semester, I will have my degree. <laughs> but that's not the main goal. Uh, hopefully out of this will come maybe one or two more people that say, I haven't actually thought about it, but I... I'm sensing that God's calling me to be part of Emmanuel and Emmanuel's vision to reach Chicago. And I'm going to, I'm, I have more intentionality and then everybody else would have more intentionality about their, their, um, their sailorship, you know, or, um, yeah, that just everybody in the church would have thought through and come up with more of a, a life mission, an understanding or a desire to have, a calling in life and I want to help you think through that so thanks for listening to this um, hopefully it made sense and sets the stage for what I'm going to be doing over the next uh, couple months um, for my school project but ultimately it's it's for you it's for the church and ultimately it's for for the sake of Christ's fame um, among all nations all peoples and uh, even here in Chicago through our church. So that's my prayer. Look for, look for me to contact you soon. 
and uh, hope to see many of you coming out on Friday nights to these uh, get-togethers. So talk soon. Thanks. Bye.